I'm Shira Schoenberg. Welcome to the podcast. This year, due to the coronavirus pandemic, the Massachusetts legislature allowed voters to mail in their ballot for any reason and also expanded in-person early voting. With the excitement of the presidential race and these new policies that make it easier to vote, Massachusetts appears to be on track to have record turnout in Tuesday's general election with huge numbers of people voting before election day. With me today are Pam Wilmot, Vice President of State Operations and Massachusetts Executive Director for the Good Government Group Common Cause, and State Senator Barry Feingold, an Andover Democrat who chairs the legislature's Joint Committee on Election Laws. Thanks for joining me. Pam, should no excuse mail-in voting be here to stay? Absolutely. I mean, this is an issue that uh, most states have dealt with, not all of them, uh, and an issue that has been before the Massachusetts legislature before. It was actually passed uh, by in a joint session in, I believe, 2006, uh, and then it didn't make it to the second um, part of the legislative session. We've kind of done this workaround with early voting by mail, uh, but the simplest thing is just to change the constitutional uh, language just to make it 100% clear and easy. But regardless of the mechanism, it's clear this worked. Uh, we had record turnout in the primary, 1.7 million people voting, um, a 30-year high in terms of percentage. And you know that was about more than almost four and a half times the number of people that voted in the primary in 2016. Typically, a gubernatorial primary is, is more participatory than a primary a state primary before um, a federal general election. Um, well, presidential election. <clears throat> so this process works and we should absolutely make it permanent. Senator Feingold, so far the legislature has only allowed this no excuse mail-in voting this year. Governor Baker actually recently voiced support for continuing it. Do you think the legislature would be interested in expanding mail-in voting for other elections? And what are the considerations behind that? I definitely think there is a lot of support to extend it. However, we do have to do, there, there, there are some challenges moving forward. Uh, one is to make sure that we have a streamlined process for the clerks, which I think they've done a Herculean job. The other thing that is of concern is how little lower socioeconomic communities participated in. So the communities like Lexington, Belmont, Andover, Newton, through the roof of participation. Our lower socioeconomic communities like Lawrence, Brockton, Lowell, um, Fall River um, did not participate as much. And, and why does that matter? Well, I can tell you my district for the first time ever, there were more votes cast in the town of Andover in a primary than the city of Lawrence. And Lawrence has twice as many people as, as the town of Andover. That's never happened before. Now, once again, it's a great thing for people in the higher socioeconomic communities to um, participate the way they have, which is great, but we got to do some work to make sure that people understand vote by mail. Now, at the end of the day, what it might be is that we didn't do enough education and we don't want to, you know, not move forward um, with vote by mail in the future just because of this. But I do think if we do move forward with vote by mail, we definitely need to do a better job, and I mean all of us, of educating lower socioeconomic communities, and especially communities of color, 
about the, you know, that voting by mail is safe. Um, and this is something to strongly consider. Pam, how do you get those minority communities to turn out to vote? And why is there this disparity? Well, there are some structural barriers that don't really even relate to voter education. They relate to the mail. Um, it is much harder when you're in a multi-family uh, building to get your mail reliably uh, and to have it not go, you know, somewhere else. And um, we see this across the country, and that's why we have to preserve in-person voting options. Um, it's funny that we've had this big brouhaha about vote by mail with the president saying it's not um, <clears throat> it's not safe because one, he has voted by mail in every election and, uh, and two, it tends to be older and whiter people that vote by mail. Um, so we are all for expanding options for voters and that includes in-person options as well as uh, vote by mail options. It's true that more education does help but it only gets you so far. Um, and that's why it's a hybrid system and that's what we have here. And we may end up in a system where, you know, uh, the demographics do look different. And part of it is, is time, mail, um, and education. Senator Feingold, is education enough or what do you see as more or what needs to be done to deal with that disparity? No, I think Pam makes some great points that it is sometimes difficult for people to get their mail. Um, but we, 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 we do need to make sure that um, our voter rolls are accurate, that we are sending the applications out to the right people. Um, so I think that it's something that we can also improve to do is get our voter rolls as, as clean as possible. And the one thing that you know, we did, which I think was smart, is that we just didn't mail everyone a ballot. We made people take the two-step process to get their ballots. And because of that, I don't think anybody can say there's fraud because when you do this two-step process, you sign into the pains and penalty of perjury that this is you. Um, and at the same time, we, we, we accomplished what we set out to do. You know, before um, the largest primary, before September 1st of this year, the largest primary is 1.5 million people. Well, this time around, we had 1.6 million people. So as Pam was saying, it was an overwhelming success. So our system works, it, it, was, it, was, it was foolproof, but we do have to find a way to make sure that, as Pam said, that the, these, these applications by mail are getting to the people um, in all communities. Um, and, I, and I do think that um, if we do have some more um, leaders in, in the lower socioeconomic community to tell people um, that it's safe to vote by mail, then, um, you know, I think this is something that you'll see more and more people uh, take advantage of. And just on a, on a sidebar, I mean, this is the same exact thing we're dealing with with the whole vaccine, where you know it seems that people higher socioeconomic communities are apt to take the vaccine, where lower socioeconomic communities are not. So, like the, in vote by mail, we are doing a, a big education uh, thrust to try to get people to be comfortable with the vaccine, and, and hopefully, when you know next time around, they'll be more comfortable with voting by mail. Pam, your organization was actually one of the groups that had been advocating to send every voter a ballot. Obviously that didn't happen. We do have this two-step process. Is Senator Feingold right that this is a better process and this is the way to go if 
the legislature decides to continue vote by mail in the future? So um, a couple of things. Uh, it, it, we moved very quickly towards vote by mail. Um, usually this is a very um, gradual process. Before this year, only three to 5% voted by mail, depending on the election. So it's a huge jump to go from three to 5% to about 50%, which we won in the primary and probably that much in the general as well. And we actually didn't have all the things in place um, to make that a fully successful system. Um, and so this was probably the appropriate, this you know, was the appropriate step to take given where we are, as, the Sen as Senator Feingold mentioned, our voter rolls are not as accurate as they should be to really do a full vote by mail system. You've got to get people used to voting by mail. You've got to give them uh, in-person options and you do have to have accurate voting rolls which we do not have. The legislature asked, actually passed something to make a big difference in that process in 2018, uh, which was called um, the Electronic Registration Information Center, ERIC, which is a consortium of states that share their data uh, and with also the federal government to say who's moved into the state, who's moved out of the state, who's died, and then um, strike the people that are not appropriate from the rolls and add those who actually are eligible to vote through um, an, a, a reach out and proactive system. Um, right now, this was the right call. I was worried personally about our clerks and their ability to fulfill all these uh, requests. And the way that it was actually implemented took care or, or reduced some of their work. There's bark, smart barcodes on the applications so they could be scanned rather than hand entered. That was a big um, uh, step in the right direction. When the applications were mailed out in July, there was an option to apply for all elections. So that could be done once instead of multiple times for multiple elections. That also reduced their workload. Um, so my, you know, there was always in public policy, there's always trade-offs. And uh, the fear was, uh, particularly the pandemic was very uh, bad at this point, that there just wouldn't be enough time to fulfill the requests. And what we're seeing is they're actually on top of it. They're doing a great job. Um, they've always done a good job, but uh, we thought this might just be too much. And they've risen to the task and, and done uh, the work that is required. So uh, I think there's still ultimately work that's going to need to be done in terms of purchasing more equipment, dealing with the Dropbox issue, which we probably should get to at some point today, um, improving the online portal for uh, ballot requests, which has some problems the way it was implemented. Uh, but the application process and the way it was done was very simple. It was very easy to use, and it front-loaded the work so that some of the concerns I had did not play out. Senator Feingold, you've now both mentioned this burden on quirks. And I know certainly in the primary, there were some issues that quirks had. And then we've also seen in general, just things like, you know, glitches, you know, people getting the wrong ballot in the mail, getting the wrong envelope in the mail, getting the wrong letter. Um, there were some issues after the primary with some ballots not getting counted right after the election. They kind of just got stuck in a vault. What what more needs to be done if we continue this kind of 
early voting in the future in order to make it easier for the clerks and make the process run more smoothly? What, what will your committee be looking at? Well, I understand that, and, and I'll, I'll agree with Pam, is that we the, the job that our clerks in our cities and towns are doing right now is Herculean. They, they have such a big job to do. But the one difference between us and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, and you're going to be hearing a lot about this in the next several days, is that we allow our clerks to pre-process the ballots. So we, we allow them to go through them. We allow them to verify signatures, basically to almost get to the point where it, it, the ballots are about ready to be counted. Where in states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, they cannot touch any of this stuff till the election day, which is why we're concerned that we may not know results for, for weeks. So I think we've given um, the clerks the tools they wanted. Um, you know, could we have more drop boxes? Absolutely. But um, I do think they have the tools they need. I mean, we give them also poll pads, which allows them to check in people a lot easier using basically, you know, iPads. Um, we've done a lot of that, that type of stuff. So I, I think there's always room for more technology. But unlike many other states, we allow our clerks to pre-process ballots. And I think because of that, in a state like Massachusetts, we'll know winners uh, on November 3rd. You've both mentioned drop boxes. This year, we literally had a Boston drop box that was set on fire and some ballots were lost. And I think that that plays into some of these larger concerns about security as we try new methods of voting. Um, we're familiar with this external threat of countries like Russia and China trying to interfere in our elections, their cybersecurity concerns. Uh, the president himself has raised concerns about fraud related to mail-in ballots. Uh, Senator Feingold, I'll start with you and then move to Pam. What safeguards has or should the legislature put in place to make sure our elections are protected this year and also moving forward? Well, I think that incident in Boston is really anomaly. I think the vast majority of boxes are safe. And I think, you know, I mean, unfortunately, there are people that, that desecrate um, government property all the time. But I don't think we should be worried that um, these drop boxes aren't safe. Um, you know, it's as safe as we, we've had post office boxes. And for the most part, our, our mail has been very reliable. So uh, I, I think we're going to, there, there will be outliers. Uh, you know, we had an issue in the primary where there were some ballots in Franklin, Massachusetts that weren't counted. That stuff is going to happen. But the vast majority of the process um, has gone well, in my opinion, will go well. So I, I think people should feel comfortable. And I'm pretty confident that um, we'll have a pretty smooth day on November 3rd here in Massachusetts. Pam? So... Um a couple things, uh, safeguards, the, 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 the smart codes that are on the ballots are um, something that's very helpful because that um, includes, you know, it's not something that you can read as an individual, but the election official knows that who's that actually was supposed to be. They're pre-filled out. Um, there's signature matching. Um, it, uh, it is a... Um, a very secure process. Drop boxes also are secure. I think this was a this was a homeless person. It was an anomalous situation. Uh, it was not an intentional uh, uh, 
you're trying to to shift an election or anything Mo many drop boxes the more expensive ones are actually pretty uh, fireproof they have a very small slot that you can't really get things into and they have low oxygen so that they do not um catch on fire and they don't even they even test them with with explosives so um, there are way there are, and some of them are like cemented into the ground that cannot be removed, but we had to get these things very quickly. So some of them were like book boxes that were retrofitted and don't have all the bells and whistles. I think going forward, we might want to look at that, but I do not necessarily on the legislative side, but on the administrative side. But I do think that communities should not be removing their dock boxes or shutting down their hours because one homeless guy, you know, who probably didn't even know where he was, um, you know, put something into uh, that he shouldn't have. Um, so, and, and we also are only talking about 35 ballots. They essentially have some ideas of, uh, and so um, that is not, you know, every, every vote lost is a problem. In terms of those administrative issues that you mentioned, I think we'll get better at this. There will be procedures in place to, uh, to reduce errors. There have not been very many. They've been a very, very small drop on the bucket. Very few ballots have not been counted. So we haven't had these huge cure problems that they have in some other states. Um, but we see that in in-person voting too. We see poll workers that don't check the inactive voting list and turn people away instead of checking the right list and giving them a challenge ballot. They give them a provisional ballot instead of a challenge ballot. And there are errors every election cycle, whether you're talking about in-person or, um, or otherwise. And that's to be expected. This is a huge undertaking um, done by you know professionals from the clerk side, but then a bunch of volunteers essentially who got $100 to work for 16 hours uh, staffing the polls. And our goal is always perfection. It should be perfection, but we're human and things happen. And that's why we Common Cause and a hundred different organizations runs uh, an election protection program. That's why the Secretary of State and the Attorney General have hotlines for people to call if there are issues and we resolve them. Um, you know, I've worked with the Secretary of State and with local officials uh, and you know many problems on election day and uh, done problem solving on the fly. and. It's been successful. This is uh, this is our democracy. It's it's what uh, we we need to do as citizens to use our voice and to cast our ballots, and the best system that we can humanly uh, create. Pam, your organization had a success this year for the first this year. Actually, um, automatic voter registration went into effect. Anyone who um, conducts a transaction at the RMV or with MassHealth who is an eligible voter is now automatically registered to vote. But your organization has also been pushing for other things like allowing same-day voter registration. Given what we've seen, and obviously with the knowledge that this year was not a typical election, are there other voting reforms that your organization will continue, continue to be pushing for here in Massachusetts? Absolutely. So one, uh, the, the, the system that the legislature passed for automatic voter registration is not what was implemented. So 
Um, we hope to get that fixed um, to deal with the Eric situation that I mentioned to clean up our voter rolls again, which was passed by the legislature, but not implemented. Um, uh, we would like to see same day voter registration. I think that is something that many states, um, about half the states now use. It's uh, been used for decades in many places and it does help people correct errors on election day uh, and uh, exercise their constitutional right to vote. We uh, obviously this whole issue that we're talking about making the reforms that that uh, were enacted this year on a temporary basis, uh, a permanent, I think is also an important piece. Um, and there are others. Uh, so um, that those are are the highlights. Senator Feingold, I may give you the last word here. Pam is obviously pushing for a number of major um, changes. Does the legislature have an appetite to take up more voter reform measures? Do you think there's more that needs to be looked at, things like allowing same-day voter registration? Absolutely, I, I'm a huge supporter of same-day registration. Um, New Hampshire has it, we should too. Um, this, is, this is 2020, uh, we have the technology to do it. Um, what we've done with vote by mail is we've got more people to participate and our goal should always have even more people participate. Because uh, when, when more people participate, democracy wins. And whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the higher participation, the better. Uh, and that's only good for our, our towns and cities and for our state and for our country. So uh, we are always open to it. We, you know, we started in 2014 with you know, allowing people to, to um, register um, online. So um, there are things that we at least started there. And um, you know, we just need to continue some of that stuff that we've we've started, and we've made some a lot of milestones this year. Um, so I look forward to working with Common Cause and some of the other important groups to try to continue to push forward um, these reforms. And you can read lots more about voting and about the election at CommonwealthMagazine.org. Pam Wilmot of Common Cause and State Senator Barry Feingold, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Shira. Thank you.